Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Well, good morning. I am so thankful to be with you all this morning and deeply appreciate Michael's invitation uh, to, to share the sermon with you here this morning at Shepherd's Community. I had a, a, a couple of folks when I walked in say, how do you know Michael? And I'm like, I don't know if I can really get into that story, but no, it's, he's a, a wonderful brother in Christ, a faithful servant, have been just blessed to get to know him and his family and, and grateful for, for their presence here, um, not just in, in the midst of you all, but in our, the United Methodist Conference. Now, I have been serving as the president of the Florida United Methodist Foundation for a little, just a little short of a year and a half. And it's a joy each and every time I get to be present in the lives of the churches that we are fortunate to partner with. And before we get started on the sermon, just just a couple of questions. Before 30 seconds ago, did you know that your church has a relationship with the Florida United Methodist Foundation? If so, raise your hand. All right, so, all right, more than that, how many of you before 30 seconds ago even knew there was a Florida United Methodist Foundation? Anybody? Not too bad, not too bad. That's, I, I really enjoy getting out here to talk a little bit about the foundation. So I want to take just a quick moment to share with you more about the foundation very quickly and how I believe it's relevant to the ministry of Shepherd's community. Now, the foundation is an independent, faith-based institution, and I believe that we're uniquely positioned to offer congregations and individuals the resources and tools that they need to grow as faithful stewards of the gifts that God pours out upon all of us. And very quickly, we do this in three ways. First, we offer a variety of investment options for our partners, including our development fund, which is open to individuals, churches, and ministries and agencies, where deposits are paid an interest rate of 4.25%, which is great. It's good for us who are earning money off of that deposit, but it's good because it allows the foundation to make valuable ministry loans to churches, and I'll talk about more about that in a second. We do endowments. We do market investments for churches and ministries who are looking at long-term financial health. We do charitable gift annuities, donor-advised funds, and trust management. Second, we offer stewardship education services to churches, to clergy, to individuals, related to retirement, planned giving, estate planning, clergy financial health, college scholarships, program grants, and stewardship consultations with churches who are looking to revitalize the way that they look at stewardship. And finally, we offer low-interest loans to churches and ministries who are looking to build, renovate, upgrade. I understand y'all are getting new carpet, paint, all this nice stuff. Michael's just a little excited about that. So we can do everything, everything from the most exciting, you know, new fellowship center, parsonage upgrades, new audiovisual solutions, but there's also those other things that aren't so exciting. HVAC, parking lot potholes that can swallow a Prius, you know, roof repair, you know, things like that. So each one of these methods is just are the ways that we seek to support churches in this day and time, and it's rooted in our Wesleyan theology 
with a deep commitment to using all of our resources to support the power and growth of Christian ministry across the United Methodist Church, as well as non-United Methodist churches who share in our Wesleyan theology. All right, so that was the crash course. Everybody got it? There'll be a quiz before the benediction. It'll be fine. So I'll be around after worship if you have any questions about that which I shared with you about the foundation, but let's get on with the sermon for today, calisthenics free. I like that a lot. So I'm excited to join you all on this last Sunday of your stewardship season, and the area that I want us to spend time exploring today is how we show the evidence of our faith in how we live our lives. And we're going to look at this by taking a look at the book of James, specifically James 2, verses 14 through 18. James tells us this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. May God's blessing be upon the reading and the hearing of this word. So I begin with a story, amazing story of Charles Blondin, who's an amazing French tightrope walker. I'm never going to do that, ever. But... It's a wonderful illustration of what true faith is. See, Blondin's greatest fame came on September 14, 1860, when he became the first person to cross a tightrope stretched 11,000 feet, over a quarter of a mile, across the mighty Niagara Falls. People from both Canada and America came from miles away to see this great feat. He walked across 160 feet above the falls several times, each time with a different daring feat added to it. Once in a sack, once on stilts, once on a bike, once in the dark, and once blindfolded. One time he even carried a small stove and cooked an omelet in the middle of the rope. The large crowd just continued to gather, and buzz of excitement ran amongst, and people kept coming to see it. The crowd kept growing. They would ooh and they would ah as Blondin carefully and safely walked across, one dangerous step after another, pushing a wheelbarrow, holding a sack of potatoes. Upon reaching the other side, the crowd's applause was louder and louder every time he crossed. Blondin suddenly stopped and addressed his audience. More than a sack of potatoes, do you believe that I can carry a person in this wheelbarrow across the tightrope? Yes, you are the greatest tightrope walker in the world. We believe you can do that. Okay, Blondin said, who's getting in the wheelbarrow? As far as the story goes, nobody did it. But this unique story illustrates a real-life picture of what faith really is. The crowd watched the daring feats, and they said they believed in him. But when it came time for their actions to measure their belief, it proved they didn't believe him. And I think this is the tension that James is dealing with in our passage from today. It's that connection with true faith and the appropriate response to faith. James wrote, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? 
James asks the question, can faith save you? I mean, this is not new today. This has been going on for centuries to ask which came first, the chicken or the egg, as if which is more important, the faith or the works. So I think that the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What is the underlying issue when we talk about faith and works? How do we show evidence of our faith? I mean, my friends, if the underlying issue that we are talking about is salvation, you know, being right with God and inheriting eternal life, the answer is clear no matter what denomination you're a part of. Faith alone is what is necessary. Our works do not achieve salvation. However, if the underlying issue that we're looking at in a discussion of faith and works is what is important in living a Christian life, I think the answer is also very clear, and it is both. A Christian life must include both faith. Now, I understand our human nature, and so I realize that each of us is probably naturally oriented more towards faith or we're oriented more towards work. Do you know which side you might be on? It's tough sometimes. But I also understand the extremes that some people will go to in the world around us. And I believe you can go too far either way. One extreme, you could be like one of those folks during John Wesley's time and say, all you need is faith while neglecting any work, any prayer, any worship, any scripture. Because you have faith, it's okay. On the other extreme, you can think that all you need to do is be a good person, take care of other people, you don't even need to believe in God or our Lord Jesus Christ. Just do good things for others. An old Scotsman operated a little rowboat for transporting passengers many years ago. One day, a passenger noticed that the good old man had carved out on one oar the word faith, and on the other oar the word works. The observer, struck by curiosity, was led to ask why. The old man, being a well-balanced Christian and glad for the opportunity to testify to his faith, said, let me show you. So he dropped one oar and plied the other called works, and they just went around in circles. Then he dropped that oar and began to apply the oar called faith, and the little boat went around circles the other way. Great momentum, just not going anywhere. After this demonstration, the old man picked up faith and works and plying both oars together sped swiftly across the water, thus explaining to his inquiring passenger, you see, that's the way it is in the Christian life. Dead works without faith are useless, and faith without works is dead. To have one without the other gets you nowhere, but faith and works pulling together make for safety, progress, and blessing. When Jesus was asked what was most important, he reminded us of the twofold commandments. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. John Wesley and his followers took the call to love our neighbors very seriously, and they lived a life or, stri or strived to try to live a life of both personal and social holiness. Now, Bishop Reuben Job said this, no one can escape responsibility for the needs of another. We are our brother's keeper, and as long as there is one person in need, no Christian can rest content. 
Prisoners, the sick, orphans, widows, the poor, and all who suffer received Wesley's care because he believed them to be recipients of God's grace and God's care. He was certain that if God was a God of all, then no follower of God could turn away from the pain, suffering, and need of any of God's children. I remember my grandfather used to say, good uh, Memphis Southern Baptist man, he said, we must not become, he didn't invent this, you've heard it a thousand times, but he loved the quote, we must not become so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. A few years ago, I heard the analogy that describes the difference between being focused on charity and being a Christian. Imagine you see someone struggling in the water of a fast-moving river. It would be our Christian duty to do our best to help them get out of the water. If we saw another person later on coming down the river in trouble, we would try to get them out too. Helping people get out of the water on a regular basis is charity. Now imagine that you continually, over and over, see people in the water day after day, person after person, constantly in, tr- in trouble, having to get them out. Eventually we realize that no matter how important it is to help people who are struggling get out of the stream, at some point we have to realize the importance of going upstream to figure out how people are ending up in the water to begin with. recently read the quote, the United Methodist Church believes that God's love for the world is an active and engaged love. We cannot just be observers. So we care enough about people's lives to risk interpreting God's love. We care enough to take a stand to call each other into a response, no matter how controversial or complex. So as you all finish this stewardship season, recognizing even though your stewardship season is coming to a close, we are always in a season of stewardship, contemplating how we live into Christ's call upon our life and how we live into the life of the church. So recognizing that whatever you do every day, wherever you spend your time, that is your full-time mission field. So I want to encourage you all to define what you do every day by the benefit that it brings or the difference that it makes in the lives of those people beyond yourself. I read about an attorney who specializes in adoptions, and he says this about his job. I bring families together. Think about what you do and then ask, what do I do? Are you a teacher or are you helping children build a future? Are you a store manager, or are you an encourager of every person who walks through the door? Are you a grill cook, or do you cook burgers for those stressed out people who deserve a break today? Do you see the difference? Do you, it's important to see the difference because we define, we need to define whatever it is that we do day in and day out by the benefit that it provides others and make that our ministry of serving others and putting our faith into action. Jesus tells us, he who loses his life, and when he says that, he's talking about serving him sacrificially. He who loses his life for me will find it. We serve him, he said, by serving others. 
Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You all are blessed to be a part of this church, to be a part of where it has been, where it is, and where it is going. You are blessed to have this pastor, his family, this staff. Have you taken the time to consider not only what it is you do, what is your full-time ministry and how you reflect, reflect Christ? Have you considered how you are using being a part of Shepherd's community to then literally go out and be a shepherd of this community? The official mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. It's a balanced approach, but it requires commitment, faithfulness, stewardship. My brothers and sisters, may we all live with such faith that our lives pour out into action, that our lives pour out through our works, that our actions and our stewardship truly transforms this church, transforms this community, and transforms our world. Let's pray. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.